0: Hello, fellow movie lovers, and welcome to Cult Fiction, a podcast where we examine Hollywood's red-headed stepchildren. As a red-headed stepchild myself, I'm Stephanie Johnson.
1: And I'm Andy Bowell. and today we are pulling back to Hollywood's Crypt to review Mike Judge's Beavis and Butthead Do America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you made the choice to do the imitation.
0: Of course I did, because I'm me and I'm extra, but I hated this. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, I know you did, and I knew you were gonna.
0: <laughs> I hated this so much! I...
1: Don't think there is a single second of this film or even the TV show that came before it that was made with the uh, female audience in mind. That, that's what Dari is for.
0: <laughs> what? You mean the movie that in the first 10, not even 10, in the first five minutes, has two teenage boys arguing over a woman that they have cl- literally clutched in their hands isn't for the female audience?
1: No, no. The movie where like 30 seconds after that, there's a uh, there's an intro sequence, which at one point involves the two jumping into bed with a bunch of uh, like models in underwear. No, I don't think that was... I don't think Mike Judge was writing this for
0: <laughs>
1: anything other than a specific kind of dude.
0: Uh, so true. It's satire, but it's leaning so hard into the satire where it's like hard to see for the fog where you're just like, hold on, let me pull it back. Is the is it under there or is it just, it's really difficult?
1: Well, it's it's the kind of... It's the kind of satire that was a lot more satirical in the mid-early 90s when it was like, oh, yes, society won't devolve into this on a base scale. And then it did.
0: Well, okay, getting this over ahead of time, and we're going to try and make this episode as long as possible, but listen, it's Beavis and Butthead do America. You're lucky we're not giving you like a 15 second episode of us just like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you doing the laugh makes me genuinely laugh because it's so stupid. Oh, sure. (laughs) But, okay, normally we save this segment for later in the show, but I was trying so hard to critique this from, like, an upstanding very scholarly perspective. And so I was like, okay, let me Google Beavis and Butthead Do America article. And the thing that I found actually was an art forum article um, titled, That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore. We'll obviously link it in the show notes. But it talks about how Beavis and Butthead and the people who took it too seriously are the reason we ended up here Um, as in post-Trump America but an America that had Trump and the most uh, poignant pertinent quote that I could find was at a time when we can listen to a tape of our president elect bragging to the nephew of a former president about grabbing strange women quote by the pussy end quote women who apparently let you do anything if you're famous the spectacle of Butthead getting on the U.S. Senate PA system, as he does late in the film. His voice booming through the halls. "Uh, We are looking for the chick with big boobs. We are ready to do you. No longer functions as humor on its face or satire in its subtext.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I straight up kind of tongue in cheek was sitting there being like, you know, they would be... Uh, Beavis and Butthead could join... <laughs> congress senate any any branch of our government and no one would bat an eyelash at this point
0: so our last movie was mars attacks and one of the points i made was like look at the congress it's so white and male and old and able-bodied and like looking like the one percent type of america and i feel like that scene of mars attacks and the entirety of beavis and butthead but especially when beavis and butthead are in the white house just go hand in hand oh
1: absolutely and and both movies came out in 1996 um and i i really think i i really think mike judge would argue that he just noted the decline and mm-hmm. and didn't necessarily cause it, um. But just there was something about that moment that that early that that mid nineties Clinton administration moment. I think I've said it on I, I've said it on this show. Like, like you could kind of go back to the Clinton administration and be like, that was the last time I think anybody had any preconceived notions of like hope or this idea that, <clears throat> this idea that we were going to continue to um move, move on in the american dream and move the american dream forward that's that's what i've talked about on the show before and the clintons were war criminals let's not uh yeah. bury the lead here <laughs> but just to say like like so so you know, we're going to talk around the movie so much more than talk about the actual movie. This was written and directed by Mike judge who also wrote the show. And the thing that Mike judge is most well known for is pretty much immediately switching from this to doing like 15 years or something like that of King of the Hill. And, Mm -hmm. and that is the thing that people know him for. And I feel like that was so much more of a nuanced um, critique and satire from judge that allowed more people to try and like get in on the ground floor of the show and enjoy it and and see the things he was trying to mock without like being turned off by crude violence.
0: Yeah, because to spoiler alert for a you know 20 something year old movie how this movie didn't age well is points to entire movie
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's there's absolutely nothing and there's not supposed to be anything beavis and butthead are supposed to be not even not even like tyler durden rick sanchez patrick bateman like not even that level of These are bad characters that people then turn around and idolize. The point is Beavis and Butthead are a couple of two stupid waster idiots who there is not a single person who could look up and idolize them that, like, can tie their shoelaces.
0: Well, and I, I don't mean to, like, hark back on my own point, but the reading, Wreck. there was one point in the article where... Um, they talk about the tr- the president-elect at the time when the article was written. So it's a couple of years old. Um, but one of the people that were interviewed for the article was like, well, why are you voting for Trump? And the interviewee said, well, he's got a TV show. And then the the uh, writer of the article afterwards was like, Heh, he, TV is cool. And I was like, oh, boy, that, oh, that hits. Uh uh-huh uh-huh makes its point so well (laughs) a little too well i'd say (laughs) Uh uh-huh so in
1: in as much as we can talk about the movie you know i i think it would do well to talk about the show a little bit you know for those of you who have have sat with us politely but didn't watch the movie and don't actually know what's going on beavis and butthead was this kind of Honestly, cult phenomenon, like like a kind of a cult version of South Park show um, that premiered on MTV, created by Mike Judge, as we've said, and it starred these two burnout, waster, stereotypical high school dropout to be metalheads as they just basically menaced their community and then sat on the couch watching music videos, which was how it incorporated with MTV is they would play actual metal music videos in the middle of an episode, like in its entirety. And then Mike judge who voiced both the characters would like ad lib a little joke or something kind of mystery science theater style. And Mm -hmm. that was the show, you know, it was, I, it existed in a, in a pre adult swim world, but that is an incredibly, that is an incredibly adult swim kind of premise and the movie is that only they spend the movie trying to recover their stolen TV slash do a check, which aside from that last part is literally the same plot as Pee-wee's big adventure. Are you two heading for Las Vegas? Yeah, we're going to score. <laughs> oh, well, I hope to score big there myself. I'm mostly going to be doing the slots. ha <laughs> ha.
0: Which I love that you pointed out because throughout the movie, I was like, okay, the plotting isn't bad. Like, it reminds me of insert 90s cartoon here. I was thinking Alex and I recently rewatched the Animaniacs. Mm. So it has a lot of that really formulaic, good writing. It's just that. I'm never going to connect with Beavis and Butthead. So instantly I'm like, I hate this, but my brain is making a formula for it because it's algebra, but for television.
1: Absolutely. No, I get that. And like, it's fair to say, like, Mike Judge is good at what he wants to do. It's just this one is fundamentally inaccessible. Yeah. And and so I, I feel like I probably already know the answer to this question, but I did you ever watch the show? Were you ever like did oh, do you have no. do you have any memory of like your brother watching this or anything like that?
0: <laughs> um No, but like I was aware of it. Like sure. socially okay. And oh, in, in the zeitgeist, I was aware of it, but no, I, I I knew the characters existed, but I'd never seen the show. I never walked in on any of my siblings like watching the show in the family living room.
1: Got it. Okay. Did you ever watch a, a lot of MTV?
0: Oh no, we didn't have cable. We were poor, Andy.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough.
0: We were gathered around Dickens fire saying, please, sir, may I have some Disney channel?
1: <laughs> well, I only asked because like, I, I could have watched MTV had I wanted to. And I just, I never wanted to. Like the first time I ever sat down and just watched a handful of music videos was like 2006 or something. Like after it wasn't a, a fun, popular, exciting thing to do anymore. <laughs> but I remember catching just a couple of episodes of Beavis and Butthead that my dad would watch because my dad loved that crude, cringy, you know, anti-humor.
0: What?
1: Yeah, big big shocker for anyone who knows my dad. <laughs> so, like, I, I had seen a little bit of this, and and honestly, my takeaway as, like, a four or five year old was that the cartoons were funny in a way of, Oh my God, they're hitting, at e- they're hitting each other. This is funny. Like South Park is funny. Um, and then whenever the music videos would play, I would be immediately disinterested and be like, get back to the cartoon. What are you doing?
0: Well, because as a child, almost a toddler, all of the crudeness, all of the, like deeper violence the deeper socioeconomic implications are flying right the fuck over your head
1: yeah absolutely you're
0: just like the two dudes who vaguely look like me are doing silly things
1: right and that was you know that was basically all the takeaway and then i just i i think it's kind of telling i never had any desire as i got older to like seek this out and and find more of this content in the same way that i did want to watch more south park and the simpsons and futurama and you know these other adult animation offerings so real quick without being aware of it but not ever having watch of it I've, I've got it up in front of me right now do you want to take a stab at how many episodes of the beavis and butthead cartoon there are
0: Okay, given that a relative season of cartoon is something around anywhere from 20 to 30 episodes if it's a half-hour show, right? Yeah. So, let's high-end park it. It lasted for about six seasons. So, six times 30. Six times three is 18. I want to say 180, 200.
1: You know, okay, your your math has done, done you well, and you're a lot closer than I thought you were going to guess. Like, this show premiered in 1993, and it, its formal initial run lasted for four years. But in those four years, there were seven seasons. And in those seven seasons, it's easily like 150 episodes.
0: Oh my God, I'm good at math.
1: <laughs> you are very much that. That was surprising to me, just because like I couldn't believe that there was that much oil to to mine, as it were, from the content. Even sure. even subbing in like okay, a third of every episode is just music videos from Slayer or, or whoever. Like I just didn't see that the shtick could last that long, but it absolutely did
0: which is okay so I'm thinking about we recently we rewatched the Animaniacs but also we um, watched Adventure Time as well Mm -hmm. and so I'm thinking about like when I think about Beavis and Butthead I'm trying to put it in that context because if I just examine it on face value I'm not going to respect it (laughs) but I'm thinking about Adventure Time and how it's like It is an undertaking to watch all of Adventure Time. We got halfway through and it was just hard. And those episodes are like 11 minutes long. Right. I know there are guides to watching Steven Universe where it's like, yeah, the first season is shitty. The second season is brilliant and everything on is great. But here are the episodes you have to watch from the first season because it's like 100 episodes long. Yep. And I wonder how they had so much fucking rewatch value for Beavis and Butthead.
1: I think the only possible answer is, you know, again, credit to Mike Judge. He knew exactly what he wanted to do and who he was marketing this to. You know, and and we've already touched about it on it. We've already touched on it. It wasn't uh, women or most people of color.
0: (laughs) What?
1: But, you know, he cornered the half arguably of the mtv audience and generation you know every every teenage boy who had a tv in his room every every stoner in college who liked the cartoon with the music videos and it's it it all transfers into the movie i i feel like you know it's it's not quite a stoner comedy it's not quite a sex comedy but it's it's a teenage dirtbag comedy. Does that well? It's it's comedy featuring two teenage dirtbags. But like, real quick, I kind of love the writing of the movie and how like it's almost to an absurdist level how much everything happens around Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. You know, all of the the core conflict with a stolen biological weapon, which feels like pretty high stakes um, and a a pair of, you know, criminal lovers out to get each other and just all the crazy shit that happens. Beavis and Bedhead could be replaced with sacks of potatoes on a skateboard and pushed around (laughs) and you would basically have the same exact movie.
0: I mean, you know, you're not wrong. I think, okay, so I think there's, I keep harping back on Animaniacs, but the reason I think is that there is an episode of Animaniacs where, I think it's Wacko. Wacko's the one with no pants, right?
1: Yeah, yes. Yes,
0: yes, because Yakko's the one with no shirt. Okay, so Wacko has to go to the bathroom really bad, and everywhere he looks, there are no toilets. Mm-hmm. And so he's like the whole time he's like putty? And his like cute little cocky weird Ringo accent. Ringo
1: star accent. Th-
0: that makes no sense, cause neither Yakko nor Dot are English. So where the fuck does this come from, Rob Paulson? You tell me. Um Helmstever. The entire episode, so, like, a season, an episode of Animaniacs is, like, you start with Wacko, Yakko, and Dot, then you go to a sketch, then you come back to the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dot, and then you go to another sketch, and then you come back. And it's, like, updates on their situation the entire time. So the entire time, Wacko is looking for a place to go to the bathroom, but he's looking for his potty. Mm. And, like, halfway through this movie, I was like, it's the episode of Animaniacs with Wacko with the Potty. Except it's a television. Because they see their TV. And they're excited about their TV.
1: Right, yeah. Especially, you know, it, it ends with them back in their hometown and find their TV just on the side of the road because it's a piece of crap TV. But it is the ending that they wanted and needed Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and just hearing you recount that episode gave me such a more pure smile than anything in this film could (laughs) have, but like the entire thing is just the basic goal of let's find a TV and then expands to let's have a sex with a woman, please. What one sex with the woman, uh, do her Uh that's right do her i'm offering you ten thousand dollars plus expenses to do my wife we got a deal
0: uh the chick with big boobs (laughs) uh the chick with
1: big boobs we are ready to do you (laughs) Um, the chick
0: with big boobs could be like anyone right and
1: and i i will say any charm that can be derived is from just how stupid these two are like i got to admit so you know this is a road trip movie basically and mm. they have the sequence where they go to the hoover dam which by the way i feel like uh, tell me if i'm alone in this i feel like the hoover dam used to be in everything it used to be a much bigger deal in film <laughs>
0: No, you're not wrong. As a 90s kid, you're super not wrong. It was, like, in multiple movies and TV shows, and it was, like, a deal. I'm wondering if the CIA, like, secretly did a thing around the Hoover Dam where it was like, oh, we actually have stuff, like, hidden underneath the Hoover Dam, but, like, we need to be respectful about it. So let's make the Hoover Dam, like, in all of these movies.
1: That tracks, you know, that or it's like some uh, contrived, taxpayers built this, so we'll return the investment by putting it in every movie.
0: Oh, no.
1: <laughs> but so they're at the Hoover Dam, and there's a sequence where they they're the, the tour of old people who, you know, are carrying them around, they see some hydroelectric process and, and the kind old death woman... Um, says that this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen, and then cut to Beavis and Butthead, and Butthead says the same thing, and then the camera pans around, and you see that he's staring at a self-flushing urinal. Yep. That moment got a legitimate laugh from me, because they are just so (laughs) fucking dumb. You can't help but smile about it. God bless and keep them.
0: (laughs) I've never... uh... Utilized a urinal myself So I have never (laughs) I have never experienced A self-flushing urinal So at that point in the movie I had to turn to Alex Who bless his heart Watches most of our movies with me And it was so sweet to watch this one with me And uh, pour me copious amounts of sparkling wine So that I could get through it Um, I turned to him and I was like Is that a thing? And he was like, Yeah, just like, you know, flushing toilets are a thing. And I, for some reason, hadn't put two and two together. Because I don't use urinals that well, self yes, flushing you're, urinals.
1: You're sweet and pure and don't ever change.
0: I'm sweet and pure and don't have that anatomy. I don't think it has anything to do with how pure I am. I think it has everything to do with the fact I have a vagina.
1: Eh, fair enough. <laughs>
0: Is that the first time we've said vagina on this podcast?
1: I think it is.
0: Oh, uh, yay, we broke the seal. I know,
1: what a fitting thing. I'm I'm suddenly reminded of Jehovah.
0: <laughs> Jehovah.
1: <laughs> this is also the first episode where I think we've been so desperate to fill that we are like really diving back into the Oh god, remember when they did Monty Python? <laughs>
0: oh my god i i real talk i've looked back on some of our episodes and been like oh right we watched that movie i forgot
1: the first like 15 or so it was uh, it was really easy to keep like a ranking in my head of like okay teeth was phenomenal and Enter the Void was brilliant, but I liked Teeth better. And we are on episode 53. That Life of Brian episode was 50 whole episodes ago. And there is just no... There is no keeping all of them in a row in my mind anymore. (laughs) I just know this is in the bottom 10 easy.
0: Oh, absolutely easy. I'm so glad that you said that because I was like, this isn't the worst movie we've ever watched do we no. want to do our ranking thing
1: yeah sure absolutely
0: okay so okay it's not worse than blood for dracula Avi. no is it worse than toxi
1: it's better than weird science i know that's not what you're asking me
0: it's not but i understand what you're putting i i get what you're putting down so if it's better than weird science <laughs> it's better than toxi because i feel like weird science was slightly better than toxi
1: yeah okay it's it's better than howard the duck i think would you agree with that
0: oh i would agree with that for sure Howard the Duck was just awful.
1: Howard the Duck was nigh unwatchable. I'm, I'm staring at the ranking I've got, which isn't up to date in fairness. I've kind of like I've kind of let that slide. But let me ask you this. What would you rather watch again?
0: Okay. Beavis and Butthead
1: Do America or The Lost Boys?
0: Oh, I would. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I would absolutely watch The Lost Boys again.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And I remember not liking Lost Boys.
0: (laughs) You know, it ages on you.
1: (laughs) I'm willing to give it another chance at this point. Like this one, (laughs) Beavis and Butthead Do America is just a... It is a time capsule at this point. You open it up, you look around, you go, oh, that's what the under, the, the shitty underbelly of 1996 looked like. Okay.
0: Ah, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's very true. It's um, So the other cartoon that, of course, I have to think of for saying, okay, this is 90s. This is, like you said, the underbelly of the 90s is Daria which high same creator in the lesbian seagull scene Daria is in it and it occurred the whole show of Daria occurred as an offshoot of this show so like you said it's that's the one for the female audience i guess except explain to me why Alex my male husband said Hey, let's watch Daria. And I got through one, maybe one and a half <laughs> seasons, and then went, I can't do this anymore. I truly cannot.
1: <laughs> because uh, Daria, okay, there's there's a pool of like refinement and biting tongue-in-cheek, ironicness. And mm-hmm. and all of it between two shows went into Daria. It, Daria took all of the irony and, like, nuance Beavis and Butthead could ever have and absorbed it.
0: <laughs> you know, if I'm in a hell where I have to watch the entirety of Daria over and over and over again, or I have to watch the entirety of Beavis and Butthead over and over again... I would absolutely choose the entirety of Daria.
1: Oh, see, I was going to say... But, I, go ahead.
0: Oh, well, no, I'd be mad about it. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I would absolutely take Beavis and Budhead, but only because I would have the music videos to, like, break up the monotony. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, that's fair. The voice acting for Daria is super annoying. There are multiple characters that are just so grating on the eardrums so that just mm, i can well if but i would
1: <laughs> well if that's going to be your argument um i've put my own foot in my mouth because it does not get more grating than Beavis's tweaked out like i can't sit still energy
0: Beavis is the one who has corn holio, right?
1: Yes, Beavis is the blonde-haired one who seems like he either needs medication or needs to stop doing cocaine.
0: Maybe both.
1: Maybe both.
0: Who's to say?
1: And then Butthead is the brown-haired one with the super, like, weirdly squinty eyes and the overbite and the...
0: (sighs) Never do that again. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I adore you. Never do that again. <laughs> oh, no, don't
1: worry. Yeah, that's that's not going to be hard.
0: But also, question. Was Napoleon Dynamite supposed to be a butthead ripoff? I noticed you have braithers. I have braithers too. <sighs>
1: you know, maybe a little bit in affectation. Um... Without remembering anything about the guy who wrote a- or played Napoleon Dynamite, um, I I would very easily believe that there was a-, a little bit of inspiration there. Certainly, Napoleon Dynamite is bizarrely a um, purer character <laughs> than Butthead.
0: Okay, but if you look at John Hedder header heater I'm not sure how you pronounce his name um, if you look at his headshot he looks like a grown-up butthead he's got brown hair he shows way too much gum when he smiles He's just a little
1: mm, I mean he's a little butt hetty I, I believe it the most uh, yeah you know I'm looking at it now I I can see it
0: Mm mm-hmm bless his heart he's like still doing shit good for him
1: i I mean great for him i mean to to basically start with napoleon dynamite and have that be your breakout to to have any career let alone a, a 16 year long career good for him
0: good for him he was born in fort collins good for him
1: good for him
0: Good for it. I mean it's a fantastic opportunity.
1: <laughs> yes. First uh, first ever letter Kenny reference on the show. I'm here for it.
0: Oh it took us far too long.
1: Absolutely. Um, so to, to lean back into Beavis and Butthead a little bit, uh, a couple yes, of talking yes, points. I'm sorry. You you started this by mentioning Bungholio. Mm-hmm. I have to admit Bungholio was the height of comedy for me when I was a wee babe.
0: Right, because you were a wee babe and didn't know any better.
1: Indeed. I did not know any better. And I just, the funniest thing you could say in my family was I need teepee for my bunghole. Which oh my uh, is very indicative of my family, I suppose. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's what makes it cult, right? Is that it's quotable and that people walk around using quotes from the movie as regular vernacular.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and this one is absolutely cult. Yeah, um, as intolerable as why we
0: had to fucking watch it. Well, in,
1: indeed. Well, let me ask you this: Would it have been better if it had been live action? no (laughs) fair enough
0: no why would anyone conceive of that Uh,
1: because like executives always figure oh let's mess with a formula and no one will care and it'll all be okay I'm looking at you Super Mario bros and by that I mean I hope I never have to watch you again Super Mario bros (laughs) For sure. Um, but but some MTV executive looked at this and then looked at the SNL cast list of the time and pitched the no. idea of having a David Spade and Adam Sandler starring live action Beavis and Butthead.
0: No. Are they the guys who did the original voices?
1: No, not at all. It was all Mike Judge.
0: Wait, I'm sorry. Back up. One guy did both voices. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Mike Judge wrote, directed. I I don't think animated, but uh, maybe. Um, and voiced Beavis ButtHead, the their neighbor whose life they destroy and is basically an older version of Hank Hill.
0: I was gonna say Hank Hill.
1: Yeah. Not not Hank Hill. Um, I also think he is both the school teacher and principal. Like this was a like, let's just leave Mike alone in a room and he, and he'll crank out a couple pages of script and then do 20 minutes of of a show for us. <laughs>
0: um, I don't know whether to be thankful for that human or wish upon them anal boils
1: Eh, I mean he was doing it again he was doing it because he was sitting here like haha society can never get worse than this thing I'm critiquing
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, laughs in COVID
1: exactly plus he gave us office space so I'm willing to at least give him a pass
0: you know, that's fair. Did you know that Robert Stack was so displeased to be aligned with this movie that he literally had his legal team protect him?
1: I did not, but I I love that. That that is yeah. some foresight and some like that is that is self-respect for yourself as an actor. Which is more than that one dude from Plan 9 for Outer Space had.
0: He was so upset that he was included in this movie that he was like, hold on. For, I think it was something like five years, he was not credited in this movie.
1: That does make me wonder why you take the project in the first place. Like, I mean, I guess a paycheck's a paycheck, but like, if you're going to object to its inclusion because you're ashamed, like... You're not going to feel good spending that money. And around the fifth line he had about giving somebody a body cavity search, I feel like he had to know what he was getting himself into. I
0: mean, Lordy, the man's done movies with, like, all of the greats. So to be on Beavis and Butthead... Head the mighty have fallen
1: you you've keened on something that maybe we can we can do before we go into the uh you know the final lap of the show there were so many moments where i either recognized a voice or afterwards saw that this actor was in the movie where i was like really them
0: yeah yeah
1: And I'd like to go down a little bit with you because I I think more than anything, it really shows that like in 1996 or or 95, whenever they were casting for this MTV was the Titan of the entertainment landscape to the point where for this God awful, stupid thing first you get muddy and dusty grimes our you know our, our conniving criminal uh, estranged couple sure being voiced by then power couple Bruce Willis and Demi Moore <laughs> you're getting uh-huh. a a post die hard Bruce Willis like His star was as high as it was going to get. Yep. Which, oh, hey, returning to cult fiction, Bruce Willis. I only just put that together.
0: Wait, what was Bruce Willis in?
1: The Fifth Element, which I don't, I'm not surprised you erased that from your memory.
0: Listen, (laughs) I, I, I drank coffee. I tried.
1: You made it through the movie. I, I have proof. <laughs> oh but yes, God. we we have Bruce Willis and and you know height overpowers Demi Moore, just kind of slumming it. Like they didn't need the paycheck. They just wanted uh, to work for know, MTV, if it's I guess.
0: Eh, fair enough. Kind of her powers is when she dated a guy 20 years her junior <laughs> hey oh.
1: I'll you know what I'll I'll totally take that uh, no but
0: I, I agree with you like I'm I'm just stunned at this cast and I'm like did you did you know did you understand what this movie was Cloris Leachman uh,
1: yeah Cloris
0: Leachman
1: America's drunk on. <laughs> America's drunk <laughs> grandma. Oh
0: my god. But it's true. Like why is she in there?
1: Because they needed a they needed someone who could sell genuine sweet little old lady who the innuendos fly over her head because she's deaf. And instead just hands out caffeine pills and lets a stranger eat all of her candy.
0: She was on the Muppet show. She was. She was on Schoolhouse Rock.
1: <laughs> and she decided to do this.
0: I mean... Honestly, truly, I understand that some of the people we think of as, like, the purest humans are actually filthy. Like, the people who voiced Minnie and Mickey Mouse had, like, the weirdest sex life. Oh, sure. And 100% did, like, at the coaching of their uh, co-stars, did dirty talking in Minnie and Mickey Mouse voice. I'm well aware I'm going to get sued by Disney after this, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> but, like, I'm looking at pictures of Cloris Leishman and she's, like, wearing a big Sunday hat holding a lot of flowers. And I'm like, what were you doing in Beavis and Pud?
1: Being, I mean, being genuinely the only character I think you can root for in good conscience. I will say that.
0: hmm uh,
1: But, you know, going down it, you mentioned Robert Stack. Um, the other um, federal agent was Greg Kinnear. Which, that's not like a, oh my god, Greg Kinnear, but it, it's still a big enough name where I'm sitting here being like, really, Greg Kinnear? You didn't need to do this.
0: Aww.
1: um, de- Like, equal, maybe, I don't want to say this. Uh, there, there was a moment where um, Butthead, and there was a moment where Beavis um, gets tackled on a tour bus and gets screamed at by a tour bus driver. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I came to find out that that Torbos Driver was was director Richard Linklater, who has, like, a long and varied career and doesn't need to do these kind of comedies.
0: Uh So I was
1: sitting here like, why are you here, Richard Linklater? Are you really that good of friends with Mike Judge? Because that's the only reason I can think why you would be in this. <laughs> and then I didn't see this until the end but the final one that really made me like lose it was seeing that Eric Bogosian voiced a bunch of roles. And for those of you who don't know Eric Bogosian is a brilliant and stunning playwright who does uh you know he he made his bones in on Broadway doing a bunch of one man shows and is just like this phenomenally gifted actor. And he's sitting here playing a park ranger who gets shit on by a couple of, like, shitty teenagers.
0: Mm-hmm. So just sure did. All of that
1: to say, like... You know, there, there are some people in the industry who people are willing to work with just because they know they're fun. And Mike Judge has gotta be fun.
0: I mean, you know... I hope so. That's what I have to assume at this point because I'm looking at this movie and just being like, "Welp. Okay. <laughs> right.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh I don't think I can talk about this any longer. Can we go into our ending segments or was there anything else you had? to say about beavis and butthead do america i
1: i think for now and and hopefully for the rest of time i i have nothing more to expound upon um other than to say one of the other moments that made me laugh was when butthead hit on chelsea clinton
0: oh and they both have braces
1: and that's why he hits (laughs) on (laughs) her
0: which was okay real talk i was kind of like oh Sweet, and then Chelsea Clinton is like, "Fuck you!"
1: and kicks him out of second floor window. Hell yeah! Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, poor Chelsea Clinton. She's had a life.
1: Eh, could be Megan McCain.
0: Woo! and that's what we bring you here on cult fiction we bring you political drama
1: (laughs) we also bring you oscar takes for every single film we watch no matter how garbage they are no matter how much we hate them we believe that every film at least deserves a couple oscars and i think we've got a couple for beavis and butthead
0: i tried dude
1: well so let me know what you got i i actually i have faith in you
0: I just gave it the Oscar for worst parenting. You never <laughs> see their parents.
1: Well, okay. So you never see their moms. And as far as I know, you never see oh. their moms in the show either.
0: That's right. You do maybe meet their dads. You you got to assume.
1: I think they actually confirm it in the movie. But yeah, they, they meet their dads for all of like an evening. Because their dads are these two garbage bikers former roadies who are just complete awful people. And my favorite thing is they kind of make a joke that insinuates that maybe the two of them are brothers and they both came from the same, or or at least half brothers, maybe. Um, Yeah. But the, the, their two fathers so very clearly represent them that it's funny. The idea that maybe one of those two men did not, uh father either of beavis or butthead
0: perhaps who's to say
1: we'll never know because they share a can of beans over a fire and then abandon two boys in the desert without ever actually recognizing (laughs) that they're related
0: (laughs) like i said oscar for worst parenting
1: exactly i'll take it
0: What is your Oscar, dearly? Oh, I
1: scraped even farther down the bottom of the barrel for this one. I I had a lot of maybe contenders, but I really think that the Oscar I would like to give for Beavis and Butthead Do America is best song title for Lesbian Seagull. (laughs) Which is an objectively great song title.
0: I mean real talk if i ever heard of a band doing that song i'd be like oh really cool i think i'll listen to you like i'm gonna
1: listen to this song now and i'll listen to the whole song even if i don't like it i'm gonna listen i need to know what lesbian seagull is about
0: a seagull who's trying to find her way
1: and that again like the the weird moments of purity i think are what make this so good <laughs> but and by that i mean not good but like any amount of joy we take out of it
0: yes no i agree 100 percent. speaking of joy if it's cult, it's got to be quotable, which you've proven with your family saying, I need teepee for my bunkhole, which I will never let you live down, by the way. Yeah, that's Do fair. Do you have any other quotes from this movie?
1: This was almost my Oscar, but I couldn't quite figure out how to title it. My quote, there's, there's a moment where Beavis and Butthead switch tour buses and are no longer with a bunch of old geriatric people touring America and in sped, instead sen, spend some time with a tour bus of nuns. And there's a moment where a nun is is showing Beavis the Bible and he goes, hey, butthead, this book kicks ass. There's a talking snake and a naked chick and then a dude puts a ass leaf on a schlong. Uh,
0: to put that in Oscar uh, language would be like uh, best representation of Genesis.
1: Best summation of the Genesis story, right? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Even though i shit you nay none of that happens in genesis there is a talking serpent not necessarily snake there is a woman who is ashamed of her nakedness but not necessarily naked in the moment and no one said anything about a dude putting a leaf on his schlong it says and they covered themselves
1: yep indeed I uh you're welcome <laughs> yes and thank you for that I think at the end of the day I'm just happy Beavis could even take a moment of joy out of that because he certainly couldn't read
0: yeah that's what I'm saying I'm like how did you enjoy Genesis how is that the thing you like
1: uh I don't know but just the, the last thing I'll say about that is I did like the moment where they impersonate priests and then literally get hit by <laughs> lightning.
0: <laughs> Perfect.
1: Speaking of the elements, what was your quote?
0: Uh, <laughs> good segue. I uh, said Ginger. I have to say my quote was, the sun sucks.
1: (laughs) Right. Which
0: is just like, yeah, as a red-headed human, I concur. I burn inside with my left arm because it's nearest a window. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know how many freckles I have more on my left arm than my right arm? It's pathetic.
1: Oh, no. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, it's sad. Welcome to being ginger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well thank you i don't know what to say now
0: (laughs) for my service as being ginger you're welcome i will bear all of your jokes about how i don't have a soul just so you can live your life happily
1: i think you have plenty of soul
0: thank you you know who else has soul
1: the amazing and soulful kevin bacon
0: the amazing and soulful kevin bacon (laughs) on this show we do try and connect every single movie someone who stars in that movie to kevin bacon and in this movie there is a do it in one
1: second time in a row if i if i'm not mistaken
0: it's true second time in a row would you like to do the honors or shall i uh i will go
1: ahead and and take this one um Last time we mentioned, you know, we watched Mars Attacks that had Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is, of course, in maybe the greatest military legal drama of all time. A Few Good Men. Uh, The female lead and basically only female character, if I remember correctly.
0: Surprising. Is, of
1: course, played by Demi Moore. So Uh, Demi Moore, uh. A Few Good Men, Kevin Bacon
0: kevin bacon bravo
1: as bad as this movie is i think it deserves to hold its head high that it is so much closer to kevin bacon than so many other films we've watched
0: um sure friends. there's Let's not much that. else it's
1: going to be able to hold its head high for
0: <laughs> um you know okay i'll give it that what do we watch next time?
1: Let's find out and let's put our hands in the Hollywood crypt. Now I will say this makes three films in a row um, that take place in 1996 from Dust till dawn, Mars attacks, beavis and butthead to America. I'm, I don't know why the crypt wants us to stay in 1996. And I'm toying with the idea of, uh, of, just getting out of the 90s what does that sound to you do you do you want the full crypt list or um are we going to put our thumb on the scale just a little bit
0: no we never put our thumb on the scale
1: all right fair enough and you know what i I should just shut up and stop even tempting the crypt i'm sorry crypts uh, whatever movie you have in mind for us is goodly and the right decision, I'm sure. So, with the. We full- love you, Crypt. <laughs> with the Sweet. full weight. With the full weight of the Hollywood Crypt and not having just jinxed ourselves to see Anaconda.
0: Mm, that was 98.
1: Yeah, okay, well, then we're good. Uh, we have a whopping 291 films to pick from, and the Crypt. Wants us to take a look at number two. Okay.
0: Okay. That is,
1: I, I'm just shocked. It's such a low number. You don't see the single digits often. Well, as it happens, I, I needn't have bothered with my big prelude about changing years. The way I've randomized the list. Uh, we are way the hell out of the nineties now. Next time on Cult Fiction, provided we can find it, we are going to go back all the way to 1955 to watch the Charles Lawton noir thriller, Night of the Hunter.
0: Ooh, I'm excited. Night of the Hunter. Let's see where Night of the Hunter is available. 1955 film Night of the Hunter is available on YouTube, Apple TV, Voodoo, Amazon Prime, and Pluto TV at time of recording. Some of those are for $3.99, and Pluto TV is for free. Um, what?
1: <laughs> are you reading the synopsis I'm reading? <laughs>
0: A religious fanatic marries a gullible widow whose young children are reluctant to tell him where their real daddy <laughs> hid the $10,000 he'd stolen in a robbery.
1: Oh, that is, that is not the synopsis I'm reading, so...
0: What is the synopsis you're reading?
1: The Reverend Harry Powell is a religious fanatic and serial killer who targets women who use their sexuality to attract men.
0: Interesting. One of these things feels false.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll find out which. The one thing I do know: this this stars Robert Mitchum, who was kind of a uh, a massive actor of his time, and I have heard tell that in this movie he is goddamn terrifying.
0: Perfect. I can't wait. Well that's all for this edition of cult fiction if you want to keep up you can follow us on twitter at cult fiction cast you can also follow rate and review us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts we'll close the crypt for now but
1: join us next time as we go monochrome and find out if we're going to be absolutely pants shittingly terrified by robert mitchum or not on the next episode of cult fiction as we watch night of the hunter for Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Bowell.